Hey. Hey, my man. How you doing? What's up, man? I'm good, bro. How are you doing today? Oh, dude. Better in your face. Come on. Likewise, man. It's been a while, man. How's uh how's takeover? Takeover's good. Uh yeah. obviously, like yourself, I'm sure um quarantine and COVID kind of uh had its way a little bit, but um right. yeah, now that we're we're we were never told we couldn't gather like as a as a state um okay. like she, our governor was like yeah the constitution is this i'm not going to overstate that um but we thought it was wise we partnered with a, a service called bethany christian services up here okay that's where we meet is in one of their buildings and just to kind of make sure that relationship was good we yeah, yeah we took uh i don't know we shot and filmed from home uh for i think seven or eight weeks probably before we moved back to um the auditorium to live stream and now we're kind of just now working back into being live and stuff so we've had in-person okay. service last week and in-person service this week so um kind of crazy that whole situation as you know but uh yeah i think it's going good for us how about champion city how are you guys doing yeah man we're doing good dude so um for us we meet at a school right so the state has said that churches can come back. However, the school board has said no. So we're still kind of waiting. Um, I'm hearing no sooner than September. And then I'm also hearing that there's people in the school board that are pushing for uh, nothing returning until January of next year. So ain't nobody got time for that. Um, right. So we about to pray on some change, homie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll be praying with you guys, too. I mean, are Appreciate you kind of – I mean, I don't want to do too much inside baseball for your research because you probably have things that you're figuring out behind the scenes. Yeah. Have you guys been kind of assessing just the kind of uh, making some calls and seeing what other spaces may be available? Yeah, we've been looking, man. So the issue with our part of Tampa is everything's brand new. Yeah. So, um, man, the house, if you live in a house that's like 10 years old, you live in an old community. Right. <laughs> so it's like everything's new. The buildings are new. There's a bunch of land for sale. Um, but like, dude, uh, so where our school is at, there's some land for sale down the street, but it's 72 acres for $25 million. So it the land's not cheap. There's no old buildings that you can rent. So you're pretty much either going to be a school or nothing. Right. Dang, dude. We'll figure it out, though. Luckily for us, being in Grand Rapids, it's um, there's just there's there's kind of more options. I reckon we got like boys and girls clubs that I know a, a couple right. used to meet at, um, and we did too. We started off there for our first like um, worship nights that we just kind of threw. We started off at the boys and girls club, and that was awesome. And um, and yeah, there's just some nonprofits that are in the area that kind of have like large enough meeting spaces um, that you could rock one or two services in on a Sunday and stuff. So. Um, so. Yeah, we've just been kind of fortunate. We partnered with another church um, who was a Seventh-day Adventist church. So they met on Saturdays. And so we met in their auditorium and stuff on Sundays. Um, yes. But we decided to move towards um, morning services at 1030 instead of 5 p.m. Uh, okay. That's when we found uh, a different setup, a different situation. Just yeah. Air down, you know, set up. So um, sure. less, and our church is actually like our center is right down the road from adrian and i's house so okay we, yeah we're we're less than 60 seconds from wow so we're super blessed and um yeah god just really came through they're the best partners and they're doing so much in 
especially our part of the city where we feel called and where we feel led to be. Um, right. Because the options were a plenty to be right downtown or whatever, and and we are downtown, but it's um, it's not the uh, it's not the the gentrified, bougie area. Yeah. Uh, we're we're in we're in this city. Sorry, my wife is hollering at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so things are things are going good, man. And dude, we're freaking praying for you. You you yeah. got it so much for us, um, especially getting started. And if you don't mind. Right, right, real quick, just so our church can hear this. Uh, yeah. Everybody, this is Uncle Bruce. Uncle Bruce. <laughs> uh, and when we were getting started as Takeover Church, this man and his church, I don't know necessarily how the paths aligned necessarily, but he got a hold of me. We were chatting. I think we were a part of the same kind of like church planning groups and stuff. And they noticed that we take over. We're launching in February of 2018, and they prayed and they had um, X amount of dollars that they just they had available, and they really felt led to sow into Takeover Church. So before we even had our first service, it might have been one or two weeks beforehand. Champion City Church in Tampa, Florida, Bruce Hall Jr. They came through and they blessed us. It was absolutely incredible, and for our church who knows a lot of the church planting story and things yeah. like that, uh, I just want you guys to know that we have great friends in Florida, and Bruce, that was absolutely incredible of you, and I still to this day can't believe that happened, and I'm just so grateful <laughs> to see that you planted because literally Takeover Church is better because of it, literally. Yeah. Well, Thanks. man, I'm, we're proud of you guys. We're proud of Takeover. We're proud of you. proud of Adrian, man, like honestly cheering you guys on um i i told our church when we did it there's a piece of us in michigan dude yes you know, there's there's a piece of us that that's in michigan and doing some work and man we uh i remember that the day you guys launched we put your logo up on the screens and oh. uh, just covered you guys in prayer man and believing for big things then and still continuing to know that big things are coming for you guys, man. So you guys are amazing, man. Just know that, man, it's not just in, in deed, but it's in relationship. We believe in you guys tremendously. Right back at you. That means the world, man. Yeah. That means the world. Um, Even though you're in Michigan. What's that? Even though you're in Michigan. I know, I know. As a Buckeye fan. Part of me, you know, I, <laughs> be a long, like Paul said, I long to be with you. I long to be <laughs> in Florida, but you called us. Yeah. Um, but no, you, you seriously, you guys are incredible. And uh, I can't wait for the end of this season so that there's a realistic possibility of physically meeting up and doing stuff. And oh, um, wow. it's just hanging out. If you guys want to come up here, we'll go down there. But yeah. uh, just, just being able to, to hang out and talk more and, um, yeah, you just you just impart so much since the beginning. Uh, even when we would talk on the phone and you were trying yeah. to sell books, like you are just a legend, and <laughs> um, could be more appreciative. And I couldn't be more appreciative of you wanting to have this conversation today. Um, I, I appreciate you so, asking me, dude. Yeah, it's a privilege to have you here. And um, for our church, you know, and I, I'm sure you guys have people who are who are going to see this and log on to. And we'll post it. I can drop you like the like a Google Drive link too if you guys want to have it. it. Yeah. Um, but really, for us, it was. I don't know what things look like in Tampa, but mm -hmm. obviously 
Sunday here in Michigan. Um, when we, when we, we have a church, we've, we've never shied away from this issue. We've never shied away from any issues. We just firmly believe that uh, if it's in the Bible, it's God's heart for the human story. And right. reconciliation across the board, equality, the foot of the cross of Jesus is the great equalizer of all men. And so what this country has been founded on does not reflect that no matter how much we want to say, right. you know, God bless America or it's God's country, no matter how much you want to you know, spout that rhetoric. And we do pray that God blesses America. Obviously, we pray mm. that God changes America. Um, but no matter how much you want to say that, that's just inherently not true because of what we see from Jesus and God throughout the entire Bible. And so, um, sorry, I have dogs just tripping out over here. Listen, I've got a Siberian Husky who's locked downstairs because my man has way too much energy. Dude, I have three. And all <laughs> some sort of pit bull. So <laughs> they are awesome. So sad, man. Um, but yeah, so in Michigan, obviously, um, when you know the Ahmed Aubrey uh, situation happened, when the Breonna Bro. situation happened, and now with George Floyd, I mean, it was just one right after the other. And right. it, it, you know, I think people keep saying enough is enough, but there never should have been enough. Like there never should. Right. Any of that, when you say enough is enough, it almost sounds like it was owed to some degree and now it's overpaid. No, it should have never of right. none of this should have ever <laughs> now. I feel like we're in a time and place where there are ears that are open to this conversation that weren't before, there are eyes that are open to this conversation that weren't before. And I firmly believe that the church has a significant role to play in this because here in here in Michigan, we are having, and especially in Grand Rapids, I don't know if you've seen it, we actually started trending on Twitter. We're the second largest city in Michigan, and yet we've never really trended on Twitter before. And all of a sudden, <laughs> because of the one awesome, amazing, large, peaceful protest and march that we had downtown, That's and so on the other side of it, it was all of the... Um, you know, all of the, the wild stuff that was happening afterwards, you know? Okay. It's just kind of, it's kind of continued. I know that we're seeing that in Minneapolis and in New York and in LA and some of these larger cities as well in Dallas. Um, but really when it came to this conversation, what I wanted to speak with you about, um, it was really clear to me. I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped it in me that, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, born and raised in, was it the Cleveland area of Ohio? Yeah, so uh, born in Wilmington, Delaware, yeah, well, but, but then uh, raised in Cleveland. My family and I, my, my father was murdered when I was five. And right after that, we moved out of out of uh, the Delaware, Southern Jersey area and moved to, uh, to Cleveland. Dude. <sighs> Hate hearing that. Um, sorry, man. But, um, yeah. So Cleveland, Ohio, which is the, the Midwest, um, for us, I was thinking, like, how, what's the appropriate way to get insight, get thought, and get uh, both correction and wisdom from someone who is, you know, specifically you, you're in this unique position where here you are as, as, a, as a black man raised in Cleveland, the Midwest, but now you are pastoring down in Tampa, in yeah. Florida, super diverse. You know, obviously Cleveland, much like Grand Rapids, uh, quite diverse city. Yeah, 
but the Midwest is still the Midwest. The Midwest is this kind of weird place where it's not really sure what it wants to be. It has yeah. <laughs> a lot of Southern influence and old timely thinking. Yeah. And then also there's just like pockets of, of, and this word might get me in trouble. It's fine. Uh, progressive, you know, progressive. Yeah. Thought. Um, and I don't mean it in the way that they're all thinking I mean it, but like right, right, right. there's this, there's pockets of change. And then there's almost between Ohio, Michigan, uh, Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin. There's like this held back in a different time frame. No matter yeah. how much changing around people, there's like this old guard that is still in its old mindset and in its old ways. And so it's, it always creates an interesting battle as far as churches go. And as far as, um, you know, whether it's from theology to your dress on stage on Sundays, I mean, we're just so, so many of us are stuck in that full time that even having these conversations, which is human dignity. Okay. Like our, 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 thought as a thought of as taboo which is absolutely wild to me and so my one of the questions i kind of want to ask you today and really just gleam from you is um one what was your experience growing up in cleveland as a black man and how did that inform both you following jesus in the midwest and also pastoring in in the south yeah so, um, great question, by the way. Uh, so my, my experience is a little bit different, even from um, just my other black brothers and sisters, considering my mother was uh, Puerto Rican, Italian, and Spaniard. That's my mother's Puerto Rican. And then my dad is black. So, and I grew up on the west side of Cleveland. So for all y'all that know, on the west side, uh, the west side is a little bit, um, is a little, little more diverse than other parts. So growing up, man, my friends were, um, man, I had my boy, uh, Puerto Rican, Mexican, uh, Arab. I had two brothers, Yasir and Taser, used to hang out with a little bit. They were Arabic. So it's like, man, we were a really diverse group growing up. So the idea of being different, you didn't realize you were different until you hit the suburbs. Right. And you went to predominantly white areas, and then you realize, oh, I'm different. You know, um, I mean, I, I remember going into one of those suburbs, uh, nine years old. That was the first time I was called a monkey, and um, I remember it to this day. You know, like just I remember the time of day. I remember where we were at. I remember what spot on the street I was in. I remember the the, the scenery. I remember everything, and it's one of those things that it kind of brands you, if you will. Um, it brands that moment into your mind. So, man, I, and I knew. So, and, and that's another thing, man. It's it's not even just within like society. Like, um, my grandfather would not have me in his presence because I was part black, you know. So it was like, and he was Italian and, and Spaniard. So, like, you when you're black in America there's one thing where you're experiencing it from society, but in mixed families, you could actually experience it from your own. Um, so, I mean, the, the experience in Cleveland was, it's funny, man, because it is the Midwest and we're a little more of a hodgepodge than say parts of the South or even out West, you know, um, but there's still racism there um, in the Midwest. And then, 
like coming down here and pastoring in Florida, like I kind of seen it really quick from local pastors. You know, you know how it is like you're getting ready to start a church. You want to connect with local guys, yeah. try to build some relationships, let them know, hey, man, it's all kingdom. Uh, we're here for you guys, that kind of thing. And uh, I remember meeting with a couple of pastors down here, uh, a couple couple of my white brothers. And um, I remember one guy saying, hey, man, listen, uh, if you're looking for a, a place to start a church, um, man, you know, I really feel like the best place for you will be like around Martin Luther King Boulevard. That'll probably be the, the best place for you. And uh, man, I tell you, there's some people out there, brother, man, and they're looking for a church with that gospel feel. They're looking for a church with that gospel feel, brother. And I'm like. Dude, by the fourth gospel feel, I was like, yo, this cat says gospel feel one more time. Like, so, wow. Yeah, like, but it's like, Not that true. was my introduction to church here yeah. in Florida. Yeah. Um, and, uh, man, it's like, I don't even, you know, the crazy part is I don't even dig gospel music that much. Um, like, I'm more Bethel, Jesus Culture, House Fires, Hillsong, all that kind of stuff. So, uh very few gospel albums in my iPhone, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, experiencing that, I remember, like, you'll remember this back early church plant movement days where it was really starting to kind of catch hold with younger pastors. Um, dude, I was, same thing, man, uh, jeans, chucks, and a long sleeve flannel. Right. And uh, I remember a dude telling me another different pastor saying, well, hey, man, if you want to reach white people, then you're going to need to change the way that you dress. And I'm like looking at what I'm dressing. I'm like, yo, I just went to a church planner conference and everybody was wearing the same thing that I was wearing, but they didn't look like me. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's this, even in the church, man, there's this uh, implicit bias or racism within the church that happens, um, man. And God rest his soul, man. But I remember asking my father-in-law, can I, can I marry your daughter? I feel like I want to marry your daughter and, and I just want to come talk to you and make sure yeah. I'm cool with you first. And my man slammed his fist on the counter said, I don't want my, my daughter to marry a black man. I want my daughter to marry a white man, six foot four, blonde hair and blue eyes. And I was like, yo, is he for you or for her? Because you got his hair colored down. You got the eye color down. You got height down, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, <clears throat> that dude was a reverend. So people don't realize this happens in the church. And there's plenty of other stories that we can kind of go on and, and talk about. But, man, this happens so common in the church. I think people either don't want to admit it or they don't want to accept it. Dude, think about, for example, and this is something I've been trying to figure out, our best speakers in the black community, yeah. Bishop T.D. Jakes. Look at his church, yeah. predominantly black. Right. People may or may not like him, but Dr. Creflo Dollar. Right. Look at his church, predominantly black. Right. And I think what people don't realize is that for whatever reason, black people will follow white pastors. Mm -hmm. But even when it comes to our best, I don't, I don't understand why white people don't follow black pastors as much. Right. right. And what I've heard is, well, it's your preaching and your music. I'm like, okay, so we have to change our preaching and we need to change our music. 
we need to change who we are if we want you in our churches. But by and large, black folks will go to a white pastor's church and you don't have to change anything, you know? And so there is a racial bias within the church that right. needs to change. And really what it comes down to is we're not accepting of cultures outside of ourselves. Yeah. You know, yeah. and man, I'm gonna put black people on the front street too, because I got a buddy who is in, um, who's in Detroit and we talk about, um, talk about, uh, playing different styles of music. And he said, man, I try to play Bethel. And when I play Bethel, I hear, what is this sad white people music? The crazy part is Tasha Cops can sing that same song and they're like, mm, that's so anointed. I love it. And it's like, bruh, it's the same song. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same song. But so even within the black community, man, we have some biases that we need to fix and we need to come to the table and have these types of discussions. Right. No, and I, I feel that too. I think, um, you know, for me, I know that I'm not everybody's carbon copy white preacher from West Michigan. <laughs> Because when, you know, when I was 16 years old, I met Jesus and I got invited to speak at a Baptist church at their 5 p.m. service. Um, And it was awesome. It was awesome. And when I got done, I was 16. Like, I just met Jesus. I'm like six months into this thing. I talked about how um, you have to be uh, like narrow. The narrow gate uh, is the way and the the wide gate leads to destruction. I was talking about being spiritually fit so you could be skinny and get through the narrow gate. Like, you know, I was way out there in college <laughs> and just I was 16 and the funny thing is I got off the platform and everybody was like dude you're the you're the next Billy Graham you're the next this and the wild thing for me Bruce is I had known who Billy Graham was like everybody does the president's preacher you know like right. knows him um but who informed my preaching style and who I am today was TD Jakes I I said that to those those ladies the very nice Baptist church ladies when they said, <laughs> Billy Graham. And I was like, but I want to be the next TD Jakes. And I didn't mean it, you know, in any sort of way. I just meant right. that's my hero. That's yeah. the guy I've always loved that when I was in Dallas, Texas, um, I didn't live too far from the Potter's house. Like you know, okay. on 5 PM on a Sunday morning, if you want to get out of there, because wow. you, you weren't going to make it to your church uh, where you were working because the police escorts and, and them doing traffic and stuff. I mean, that man is so influential from, yeah. from movies and stuff like that. And just every sphere that he's in. And, and I agree with you. I think, um, I don't remember who was talking about this. It might've actually been TD Jakes. So let's give him credit here, but he was talking about this issue of it's easier for uh, a black person to follow a white leader than it is a white leader to follow a black leader or a white person to follow a black leader. And he said, where do you think that comes from? And that shook me to my core. Yeah. This thing called racism, obviously it's a sin. It needs to go back to hell where it came from. It's demonic, direct opposition to God. I don't care who you are. Every white person preacher out there, racism is demonic and is in direct opposition to God. Yeah. But this thing runs deep. Yeah. It runs deep, especially in this country. And for it to be for it to be so ingrained in a complete people group that 
like that's just nature second nature to them like what we're yeah. gonna eat is is some for real overhaul here that uh i don't have all the answers you know yeah. but it, it's clear to me that if that's the case if there's something mm -hmm. psychological in there to where yeah. inherently because of the last uh 400 years like 1619 was the first time slave ships dropped down in jamestown in virginia like right okay there's there's a lot that needs right. to be undone untaught unlearned and then uh not even refurbished that's why that's why <laughs> age modification can't take place yeah, yeah. It's not a complete soul transformation because it's truly only jesus that can open this thing up take out yeah. what's there throw it back to hell and then put something new in it yeah. Like, it's the only, it's the only thing. And um, I guess that kind of just leads me to kind of my next question is, you know, so here we are, we're in the Midwest, you're in Tampa, Florida, all across social media, all across um, all of it. And, and I love it too. Like I preached my guts out on Sunday, but one of my points was don't just post about it, be about it. Like we, oh, no. we cannot just say, I'm going to post a picture of, you know, poor George Floyd in this crazy situation, but then right. unchanged. Right, right. Aim to be an activist and not be out here actively trying to change lives. Like right. there's got to be a step beyond the post and there's got to be a step beyond that. And I think a lot of our society is seeing that. But one of the things I'm noticing is, and I want to ask your thought on this is there's a lot of people who are saying, and it's so on behalf of white people everywhere, just let me apologize and repent for the stupidity of this phrase. It is, I don't see color. I'm colorblind. God uh, is colorblind. Like, what are your thoughts on that verbiage? I think it's yeah. just to clarify, but I would love for you to speak to that. Yeah. Um, I think we should see color but we should see it as beautiful. 100%. You know, so to say I don't see color, I understand what they're trying to say, mm -hmm. but we should see color and we should see it as beautiful and diverse. That's like saying, I, I look at rainbows and I don't see color. Well, you're missing the majesty of a rainbow then. Right. You're missing the, the diversity and the amazing creation that God has created. Right. That's a sign of his covenant. Yeah, and, and I believe that people are the same way. We have to acknowledge that we're different yep. so that we can celebrate that we're different. Right. And that's what needs to happen, dude. So our city back home, um, Lorraine, Ohio, is the nickname is the international city. Wow. And every single year we have a gathering of the city where we eat one another's culture's food. That's awesome. So, you have the Puerto Ricans over here. They got their rice with gondolas and bedni. You got your, uh, you got black folks over here with some southern barbecue. You got the Hungarians with their chicken paprikash, and it's like everybody's together at the international festival, and wow. we have this big international festival parade. There, we crown the international festival queen. What? You know, and it's like each. Each ethnicity brings forth their best uh, candidates or competitor or whatever to be queen of the international festival for that year. Wow. And it's, it's a celebration of culture. And it's crazy that that's what the world is doing, but that's not what the church is doing. Talk about it. Talk about it. 
And so it's like we have to get to the point that we're celebrating one another. And if we never get to the point where we're celebrating one another, then there's always going to be division, you yeah. know. And, and uh, But, yeah, I understand where they're coming from, but I think it misses the mark because it doesn't acknowledge that we're all diverse and beautiful and created in God's image. And how crazy is, how crazy is that? That with the way that I look, I'm created in God's image. The way that you look, you're created in God's image. Right. So to miss you is to miss part of God. Right. To not have me is to miss a part of God. Yeah. And so we have to be together because when we're together as different races, we create a complete picture of who God is. Come on. Come on. And I, and I agree emphatically <laughs> that. And another, another thing that I think is important when we say silly things where I get, I'm with you, I get the heart behind it, but yeah. your color comes your history and it's yeah. a history. And it also comes your particular life experiences, you know? And right. so for me, we went through a season not too long ago in church where, um, you know, we, we really had to take a stance on what we believed in the Bible, like, which is Dude. the Bible. We believe the Bible to be true. And right. That was, we believe that the word of God is God's heart for the human story. Yeah. And me, like, you're going to see someone who comes along in the word of God who looks far closer to you than he ever will me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jesus himself. I talked about it on Sunday. I was like, America, we have whitewashed Jesus when he looks obviously far closer to you, Bruce, than he would me. Yeah. And when we come to this idea of whitewashing and colorblindness and all of that stuff, what we are doing is we are discounting the, the word of God. We're discounting the church and we're discounting you and me. Yeah. We're changing one another from your unique experiences in life, both good and bad and how God works through those to tell his narrative. You and yeah. I, we're still the later part of acts. We're the unfinished part. We are a right. part of right now. And just as much as, Matt McClure, Irish kid, uh, his story is imperative to the narrative. Your story is imperative to the narrative because how God is writing your story is completely different than how he's writing my story. And yeah. it's a story of redemption, of renewal, of reconciliation, of bringing the whole world back onto himself. Right. I say when someone declares, oh, I'm colorblind, I don't see that. You are missing out on a beautiful chapter of the story that God is writing that is there to inform your life. Like how God is writing your story, Bruce, or any yeah. other story, should inform my faith, should inform my life. Show me the goodness of God. Yeah. And for me, I always just thought, especially now with the, with the protests and the other stuff going on, there's people who are protesting the protesters with those signs that say that. And it's just like, <laughs> right. you're missing the point. But right. it's beautiful, as you said. It it really is a compliment to the image of God that we all are. And yeah. uh, and I thought you said that so beautifully, man. I appreciate it, man. I, I think uh, the issue is, and and I'll say this for on behalf, being that I'm part Puerto Rican and being that I'm part Black, I'll say this for even on behalf of my Hispanic and Black brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, and then extending towards my white brothers and sisters. The issue is people are not listening to hear and understand. They're listening to respond. Right. And when you're listening to respond, you're never catching what the totality of what I'm saying, but you're also not hearing my heart. Right. And so, man, nope. we have to listen to understand 
but that takes a measure of humility, which really goes back to the essence of what we're dealing with right now. And what we're dealing with right now is, listen, racism is a fruit on the tree. The actual root is pride. It's a spirit of pride, right? It's uh, It's a spirit of pride that's on one level says I'm better than you, uh, on one level, whatever it is, but let's talk about the pride of not somebody, uh, your wife said teachable hearts. Absolutely. That's what it is. The pride of the, the lack of humility to be teachable. Wow. So when you speak from your perspective of being a black person, yeah. but me as a white person, I don't want to hear it. That's pride. Right. When I try to come up with statements that make it seem like it's not that bad. Can, can we stop doing this too? I hate this. That when you, when I'm trying to express my humanity, meaning the pain that I feel and the wound that I've had and the wounds that I've had inflicted on me by my own country yeah. through racism Don't tell me, well, you know what? There was this one time that black people said this to me. Can we stop doing that? And here's why is because you're not paying attention to what I'm saying. Right. Just listen to what I'm saying. And for your one time, I can literally give you a hundred. Yep. Yep. Of my own. So let's not try to measure it and make it seem like, and I think that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it equal but there's no way to make it equal. That's like, that's like a guy saying to a woman, she's like, oh, yeah, I've had three kids. You know, well, there's this one time I passed a kidney stone. Not the same thing. No. Not the same thing. No. So while I have empathy for you and your kidney stone, it's not the same thing as passing a eight-pound kid. Three times. Three times. Yeah. You dig what I'm saying? So it's like, like, let's just be humble enough to listen yeah. and uh, try to understand someone's perspective. Because I was explaining it to uh, someone this way. I said, we're talking about cap and the flag and kneeling. And uh, my, my boy was genuinely bothered by that. And I understood where he was coming from. Right. But I had to help him understand where Kaepernick was coming from. Um, our black people in America are coming from. Right. First of all, we know that national anthem was not written for us. Right. The third stanza of that song was intentionally taken out because it references slaves who went over to help the Brits because they were tired of being uh, they were tired of being enslaved, so they went over to help the Brits. Yep. And try to free their brothers and sisters who were in slavery but it speaks specifically of them in that third stanza and talks about no, that they couldn't hide. It talks about their blood running and nothing could save them. They couldn't hide from death, from them killing them. And so it's like, that's what's in that song. So you want me to proudly declare this song and, and like it was for me, it wasn't for me. And I know it wasn't for me. So when I'm speaking now, here's the thing I stand, I put my hand over my heart whenever that plays. Right. However, at the same time, we have to understand, man, that like there's a there's some history behind that song. Yeah. But here's what I've been telling people as well is like, 
like you can work for FedEx. Let's say you work for FedEx. In your career through FedEx, man, you've made good money. You've gone on some nice family vacations. Um, you know, you bought a house, had a nice life. So when you put on the lens of looking at FedEx, it looks amazing. I love FedEx. FedEx is great. But when I, as a black person, put on the lens of looking at America, what I see is something completely different. If that's your experience with FedEx, if my experience is a FedEx truck killed my mom, then when I look at FedEx, it's going to be like, nah, I see FedEx completely different. Right. And it's the same thing with this country. I understand the perspective of my white brothers and sisters in America. That flag means something completely different to them. America means something completely different to them. But for black Americans, it means something completely different. It means segregation. It means 400 years of slavery. And then when the 400 years of slavery was over, we could no longer keep you as slaves. We had another 102 to 104 years of Jim Crow laws. Yep. Now, are you familiar with who Jim Crow was at all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for those who are watching who are unfamiliar, picture Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber. Yep. He's a complete moron, a complete idiot. But picture Jim Carrey painting himself up in blackface and saying, this is black people. And they're portraying that to the country to make them believe that this is what black people are. And you took that character, you took that character because this—that's who Jim Crow was. He was an—it was an actor who put on this name of Jim Crow and painted himself a black black face and act like an idiot. There were laws that were named after a complete moronic interpretation of what a black person is. So. And again, the Constitution—I believe it's in the Constitution that says we're—it still says we're three fourths of a three fifths of a man. <clears throat> so the Constitution isn't all that great towards us. Hasn't been, that wasn't for us either. But anyway, what I'm saying is this: is that that hundred hundred and four years or so of Jim Crow laws and segregation were meant to tell us that you are second class, second rate citizens. You're not as you're not as important as us. You're not up to par with us. And so after slavery is over, there's because people say, well, when are you guys going to get over slavery? Let's skip. Let's let's act like slavery didn't exist. All right. Let's take a moment. Let's just forget about slavery. What about the 104 years that went up to 1967 of laws that were created to treat black people like you are second rate citizens? How about that? How about the fact that my wife is white? But back in 1967, we would have gone to jail and it would have been illegal for my wife and I to be married. Dude, yeah. think about that. So I was born in 1980, 13 years before I was born, it would have been illegal for my wife and I to just be married. We would have had jail time. So for us in our church, it took us two and a half years to create a worship culture in our church because people would stand there like statues. If it took us two and a half years to create a worship culture in a small church, how long do you think it takes to change the culture of racism in an entire country that's 500 years long? Yep. Yep. Yeah. God, that's, there's not even a, an adequate or appropriate response to, to what you just said there. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous, and 
Dude, and here's the other crazy part. You talk about systemic racism. Um, when you talk about that, you got to realize like that's on a governmental level. And right. here's what I mean by that. If you look look up, and I've been telling people this, look up the Black Messiah rule, um, which was created by J. Edgar Hoover, that if there were anything um, that would rise up to be what they considered a Black Messiah, then they were to be neutralized. Yep. Now, this is our own government. And right after this is enacted, King dies. Martin Luther King Jr. dies. Malcolm X dies. Fred Hampton from the Black Panther Party dies. QEP Newton, um, dude, and then you've got all of these black leaders who were raised, raised, who are starting to raise black people up to say, guys, we're equal. We don't have to be subservient or feel like we're second class citizens to our white counterparts in this country. We are equal. We have value. And you had them raising up, and one by one, they're assassinated. I don't think it's any coincidence that the FBI, our own government, came up with that thing. And then the guy who killed King was a CIA agent. So, guys, we're talking about racism that's enacted on a governmental level from from laws to assassinations. Yep. And then people say, well, why don't you guys have better role models? It's because they're killed whenever they raise up. But you'll put a ton of money into gangster rap. You'll put it. You'll you'll let them, you'll let them have a platform. But when we had leaders before that were trying to stand up, they were assassinated. So it's like we got to stop acting like <clears throat> our country has always been for black people. It's not right. No, and I. What's up, Vaughn? Yeah. Bitch. There he is. Uh, yeah, and uh, and obviously, um, I emphatically agree with that as well. And um, just just the what you just said about the whole. Uh, gangster rap and that whole thing like I find it incredible that we we are in a place like um, when it goes back to that teachability thing that you were saying right like, that's just so inherent in in American culture to the beginning and in human culture as well to the beginning like I think uh, going back to Adam and Eve in the garden thinking they knew better than what God said was best for them yeah. and choosing to, to bite the fruit I mean there's just this deep seat of pride within every person, which is why Jesus calls us to lay down and submit our lives to him so that yeah. we never do what we think is best for our lives. We do what he says is best for our lives. Like he created us right. inside and out. We're the ones over here trying to take out gallbladders because we can't figure out what they do. But <laughs> we're like, oh, you could live without that. We don't even know what it does. But right. like somebody created us, knows us inside and out. And he made us and told us the best way to live and since the beginning of time human beings have gone no no, no we know what's best oh that's right. we'll come back but we still know what's best and then we're gonna continue and it's just inherent and now we live in a society that i believe it's probably always been reaping this this uh seed in some way we've been yeah. harvest of this in some way or fashion but right yeah. now it's at a fever pitch where again like i think a lot of attention is being given to it and rightfully mm -hmm. so and I mm. think that we're in a position right now to at least see the beginning steps of some changes. I'm not I'm not so I'm not so convinced right now that this is the moment that's really gonna change things, especially because we have a and you know what? I'm not you know, everyone's gonna get on me about 
oh, you got to give honor where honor is due. No, we have a person sitting in, in the leadership of the White House right now, whether you're conservative or Democrat, it's not about that, who to an extent is refusing to uh, deem white supremacy uh, as, as a terrorist group. Like, there's so many, like, while, yes, he has spoken in favor of George Floyd and in the poor officer who was 77 years old who just senselessly lost his life as well, like, he's standing up for them. Like, at the same time, there is still a little bit of pride, a lot of bit of pride there that he's unwilling to bend a knee to and say, you're right, there is injustice, and I'm going to mourn with those who mourn, and I'm going to weep with those who weep. He's unwilling to do that, yet willing to take a photo with that Bible, which our right. Bible has been used to oppress people <laughs> since we, again, decided that we knew better than God. Like, going back to the church, oh, no, you guys don't read this. We got one Bible. I'm the priest, and I'm going to read this for you, and I'm going to tell you what it says. Right. And you, you know what I mean? Like, all of this has been built upon, and yet Jesus is saying, no, 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 come to me. I have. I want to have personal relationship with you. I want to put my Holy Spirit in you. You can yeah. this thing. You can have a relationship with me beyond a pastor, no matter what color or what place he's from in this world. You can have a relationship with me, and I think that's so paramount to where we're at as a world right now and as a church speaking back to the church's version of the church's situation this whole thing you've got to get that personal relationship with jesus and understand this is what he says it's not what your white pastor says it's not what anybody else says it's what jesus says there is no interpretation other than what he said is best for your lives and we've just got to finally submit to that and when i think of leadership in this country you know we, we have leaders who are willing to um, have photo ops and have photo shoots and conversations publicly with uh, prominent black rappers, right, like Kanye West, right. and they emphatically agree with them. And I'm not saying anything against Kanye or Trump in this statement. What I'm saying right. is no one in our country is willing to sit down with somebody who, one, is a different color than them, than them but also vehemently disagrees with them and have that conversation open wide. Like we're willing to have democratic debates and uh, Republican debates, but none of us are sitting here willing to have a human conversation with somebody who looks different than us live on television and say, let's hash this out. Let's talk about this now. Even if we don't get to a place at the end of this two hour broadcast where we are in total agreement with things, Let's at least start to have that conversation. And, yeah. you know, I think that is because my next my next question for you was going to be, uh, you know, since we're in this time period um, in the world as a as a pastor who is who is mixed and is beautiful and has all these things. And again, you have a white wife and you have mixed children and your family is gorgeous, by the way. Your Thanks, family. Appreciate um, it's like what? What is it that we as the church, like, because here we are, we're in a pandemic, and this is the first time the church has ever been closed. Like, yeah. in the beginning of church, from the whole time, this is the, from temples before Jesus, like, for the Jews to meet in, until now, all of the plagues, all of the pandemics, all of the stuff, even back in England in the 1800s with cholera outbreak and all that stuff, people were preaching in the pulpit, nothing was ever shut down, there was still physical gatherings, and this is the right. first time in the history of the church, you know, at large, that we've ever been, quote unquote, you know, shut down or unable to gather, which, you know, I know that we're saying like the church has left the building, we have some of these things, but there's still something that's spiritual that takes place in the gathering that prepares us for the scattering, you know? Right. 
important that we do meet and it's 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 super important to our to who we are as a people group um but i'm wondering because we're coming out of the season where the church has been disbanded we're united online sure but we've been broken apart from each other right and we're seeing this in our own church where it's like people are trying to readjust now that things are opening up what does it look like to be in community because for 13 weeks we haven't been like yeah. we've walks and we've done some things but what does this look like and what it's weird it's weird to see it we see it more in the younger generation for sure but people are trying to suss out what does this look like and then on the back end of that not only are we trying to figure out how to work again as a community and as people now we're going there is something that desperately needs our attention right now it's always needed our attention but now again some blinders are coming off and people are starting to see it so for you, again, with everything your background is, everything your history is, and what amazing work you are doing now in Tampa, what is it that you see and believe that God is calling the church to do in this season? Hmm. I think the biggest thing is what the Apostle Paul said. Um, he said that the all of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Yep. I think there's never been a greater need for the church to stand up, to insert themselves into the conversation, yep. but to insert themselves into change. Yep. And it's like when it comes to community, our cities are waiting for the manifestation of sons and daughters of God. And that looks like us creating opportunities to communicate to have community with our community. We're having community within our own community group called the church, our Champion City Church, you know, all these churches around our, the world. Like we're having our community inside. But man, what would happen if we open up our community to those on the outside to come in? And it's tough because you've got COVID stipulations and all those types of things. But we have to find ways to work with the expectations and requirements that they're having for us for COVID and create some type of avenue for community. And I think that will answer the community side, especially uh, churches who are not able um, to meet right now. Number one, I think our first, our first, uh, our first call is to Jerusalem, right? Uh, the Bible says Jerusalem, Judea, then the world. So we take care of Jerusalem. So I would yep. say pastors, make sure that your Jerusalem, your community, your, your church is tight and that there's community happening there. We just came off of a, a city group uh, semester that was probably the, not probably, it was the absolute most meaningful semester of city groups that we've ever had in the history of our, of our short-lived church so far. Um, but that's been good. Now we've got to figure out what does it look like to impact Judea right. and, then, and then the world and take it from outside of there. But the, 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 when it comes to community and COVID, that's it. But when it comes to this case of, say, George Floyd and, uh, you know, racial things are happening in our country, the answer is the same. The whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. And the crazy part is this. They don't even know that they're waiting for that. Yeah. They don't even know that that's what they need. 
But God knows through that scripture that what the world needs is the manifestation of my children in the earth for them to bring heaven to earth, for them to manifest my love, but for them to to walk in the anointing of my presence, to walk full of the Holy Spirit. And when you walk into places, it feels like heaven just dropped. It feels like you just walked in the door and brought heaven with you. They're waiting for that kind of a manifestation. Man, they're waiting for the hope and joy of Jesus that's on the inside of us to come out. And may you think about what the Bible talks about, about uh, fragrant oil and when it's broken and how it just fills up the room. Listen, as believers, we should walk in the room and we should be broken under the presence of God to the point that what's on the inside of us by him is just filling up the room. And people feel like there's something different about you. But I fear especially looking at social media, that when we're broken open, there's something that stinks that's coming out of us. There you, go. you know, and for some of us, like we refuse to be broken open and we're just tight, tight lid with our vessel and we're not letting it out. And I think the whole world needs us to manifest who God is so that they can see who God is. Because when we manifest as the sons and daughters of God, it points people to Christ and it helps people know who God is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think as well, like, um, you know, we punch people in rapid. So we had the big, we had the big protest that led to the rioting and the looting, the nine yards of that on Saturday, last Saturday. And so many, um, so many people kept like, um, I think, and they're well-meaning by this. They're well-meaning by this. And this is definitely what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus right now. Um, they were like, skip out on church and go downtown and clean up and all of this stuff. And, and that's true. Like there was definitely yeah. a time and the place for that. Absolutely. Uh, but what I kept seeing was um, people who were, you know, kind of, kind of how like a prayer is our first response in this whole situation. Like um, what may look silly to the world is actually what is super important to the church and to God moving in and through yeah. this. And obviously getting down there, being the hands and feet of Jesus, doing all of this is absolutely paramount. It's, it's physically getting out in our community and showing we're a church and we represent Jesus and he cares about what just took place. So right. 100% agree with that. But, but in those posts and in that kind of stuff was inherent this, like, this idea of, if you're going to be the church, actually get out and do something, actually do something. And for me, while I agree again with the hands of Peter Jesus, I, I think that what is uh, going back to Jerusalem, Judea and the world, it's paramount that if we take over church, we have always addressed racism from day one day. Yeah. One. That's for us. That's the whole reason we named ourselves take over church is that we believe Jesus didn't come to take part in our lives. He came to take over our lives. Oh. And that means the bigotry that's on the inside of you, the prejudice that's on the inside of you, the prejudgment of other people that's on the inside of you, uh, just as much it is, you know, sexual morality to uh, whether you steal or don't steal, whether you lie or don't lie, how faithful you are to marriage, all of it. He didn't come to have one part of the conversation. He came for the whole entire conversation, and he came for every part of your life. And so from day one, this is something that's been incredibly important to us, and I think that when people are saying, I want the church to actually do something right now. Do something. Get out of your pulpit. Get out of your pews and go and do something. To me, I'm going, I agree, 
but it's it's not versus it's both and because we have to first start as yeah. we have to first start with our sheep we have to say what's going to make this better is if we have a people group who understand that again racism is sinful racism is demonic racism is not okay just like all sin is demonic and far from the heart of God. That's not God's best for your story. He has grace and he has mercy and he also has a way to victory through all of that stuff. Right. And I really right now that, you know, we, we like that. We like the, the clickbait, almost the post that's like, um, that's like, if the world could be loud about sin, we could be loud about our savior. You know, like I like that. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But church should also be loud about sin to an extent. Like, right. I, sin's the end-all be-all because like once we come underneath the, the blood of jesus like yeah then we're working from a different place like yeah but right now our world and specifically our black and brown brothers and sisters of all colors and backgrounds and histories tongues tribes you know creeds they need the church right now to condemn this to stand right. up and talk about this to explain why this is wrong why this is sin why this is inherently against god like yeah. I desperately believe that we need that now. And unfortunately, in a Grand Rapids, and I don't, I'm not trying to take shots at, at anybody here. What I'm trying to say is that there is a deafening silence. There's a deafening silence of, of white uh, church leaders in, yeah. in, in Midwest, in West Michigan, in this area. And it's, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. Even in a diverse city like Grand Rapids, I'm going, wait, what? Like, yeah. are you, what, are, what are we doing? Yeah. What, what is the point of this whole thing? If, if our, like, in 2020, our, you know, we, we want to get mad and, and, and angry uh, about abortion rights and, and, and all of that kind of stuff, and, and whether we're for or against it, that whole nine yards. But it's like, dude, you're going to be pro-life, and you're going to preach about it on a pulpit when it's election year. Right. Pro pro life across the board. And that's right. right. Yeah. And I think I think the issue is with a lot of churches and I've been calling some of them to task here locally when I've done these things locally and just kind of calling them out is that you have this privilege and this honor of having black people in your in your churches and them being multicultural. But for so many of them, when these situations come up, I never see them speak to it. And yep. I intentionally go to their lead pastor's page to see what they've said, and yep. I see nothing. And if you don't wait till the popular white preacher speaks up, don't wait till you, oh, Lent is speaking, I'm going to speak. Right. Oh. Don't wait for that to happen. Like, you should be speaking up before then because you have black people in your community. The same way that I would speak right. up to my white brothers and sisters, if something was happening to them, I would speak up. But the issue is, and and I know I've been told, I've been rebuked for calling them cowards, but they're cowards from the standpoint of, you don't want to jeopardize that attendance. You don't want to jeopardize that tithe. Yeah. So because you don't want to jeopardize that, you never speak up. But then when it's the socially acceptable, cool thing to do, now you want to make a post. Right. But the, like, I'm standing with the Pastor Matts, and I'm standing with some of my other brothers and sisters, uh, Chris Van Bursick and 
um, other white brothers that are pastors that are standing up and they don't need to wait for somebody else to speak up. And they're, they're not waiting for it to be the popular thing. They're standing up and saying that it's wrong at Takeover Church. They're saying that's wrong at, at Center Point Church and um, Ethos Church in Columbus, all over the place. There's so many I can name, but we need to. We don't need to wait till it's a popular thing and it's a hashtag. We need to wait. We need to speak up even when it's not. And that's what's up, homie? Oh, sorry about that. The devil don't want this conversation taking place. Like <laughs> I love when we always blame the devil, right? He sucks, but that was just Instagram. They got a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, no, dude. I and yeah, I'm I'm with you 100 percent in that. And um, it's I was talking about this at church on Sunday. I started off church and said I said uh, because it was our first Sunday back. It was the first time that we were having a physical gathering, and we knew it was going to be low and stuff. And and yeah. I said, if there's a chance that this is my last message. Because it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be something everybody's going to want to talk about. If this means that the tides dry up, if people want to go somewhere more comfortable, then so be it. Like, this message has to still happen. Like, we're a young church. We're, we're a growing church, but we're still small. Like, if everybody bails right now, this is worth it. This has to be. This might be the most important message of my life. And if it's the last one, then so be it. Like, yeah. this has to be talked about. This cannot be ignored. And... I'm proud to say that Takeover Church, we've talked about it before it was in vogue, and before it was sexy to talk about. Right. As racism could ever be sexy to talk about, but that's what we see that's in the church right now, uh, and predominantly the white American church, obviously. Um, and so for me, I, one of the other questions is I want to talk, ask you about real quick, and I don't want to keep you, you know, too much longer. We both You're good, brother. You're good. good. Um, I feel like this has been great. My phone is blowing up. I'm using a different church. <laughs> um, that church phone. We, we, we used to use it to stream our services before we were able to buy a camera. And okay. So, uh, so I'm using that right now. My phone, personal phone, is blowing up. People are loving this. So it's, yeah. it's going really good. Um, yeah, but one of the things I want to talk about is along those same lines. Like if this is the last thing that we ever talk about, this is the last messages we ever preach. And we know it won't because, you know, that's the wild thing. You want those tides. You want those numbers. Dude, right. God is going to multiply that heart. If you think God is going to multiply that, you're sowing a seed with those thoughts that you're having. I'm not going right. to talk about this. What if we push people away? Those are seeds that you were sowing, and you will still reap what you sow, my friend. Like, yeah. we've got to stand up for this. We've got to do that. And so my question for you is, um, have you seen any of the conversations that amazing, great leaders are talking about? Obviously, for us, we're a part of the Hillsong Network, and – uh, and they're awesome, and, and being involved in those conversations with them yeah. um, have been huge. And, um, you know, Pastor Carl's really doing a great job. Pastor Stephen Furtick's doing a great job as white dudes. But uh, in T.D. Jakes, in that conversation he just hosted with, I think it was five different white evangelical leaders saying, let's talk. I'm going to be the only one here of representing my people because right. I'm going to facts, and then I want to hear what you're doing and what you're talking about. Have you – have you engaged in any of these conversations? And if so, one, what are your takeaways? And two, what what do you think about, like, specifically? Like, I'm just seeing Judah Smith get torn up right now. And okay. yeah. potentially the greatest communicator of our generation. Yeah. Um, and to see him just get eaten alive right now is like, dude, what? And he's yeah. always been about this. It's just that there's a bigger spotlight right now. Like, he's always been about this. Um, right. 
back to when I first heard about him in his uh, Jesus Is Bringing Sexy Back uh, series, and when he was at Code Orange Revival in Elevation in 2012, like, was my first experience with him. He's always, always been about this. And so to see some of our most prom- predominant leaders um, just getting torn up right now is obviously heartbreaking. Um, yes. But I think we should wear it as a badge of honor for us young guys that are still coming up, for those that are still building a, a church uh, with that kind of influence, for those of us that are still uh, working towards uh, that, that, kind of, that kind of influence in our cities. Right. Like, for me, I think, yeah, like, don't let that back you down. Oh, look what they're doing to Judas Smith. What do you think they'll do to somebody who's little like me? Or what do you think my church is going to do? Like, right, right. stand up. Like, this is between us and God right now. This right. is a public opinion uh, as far as our citywide politics go and, and to people like that. This is like, this is about God and people who are made in his image. And there are a whole people group that you are ignoring and not hearing their cries and their situation and not standing up for when you choose to remain silent. And you are saying, literally, black lives don't matter by your silence in the pulpit. And so I just right. kind of want your, your perspective on that as well, just seeing our church leaders have these amazing conversations. I hope they're life-changing. Yeah. Um, but still, just so many people just eating them alive and being so ignorant. It, it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. So here's what I've noticed in all of this is that, man, shout out to all of my white brothers and sisters that are at the table. There's so many of you guys who are at the table speaking on these things. I think the thing that I realize the most is that the people who need to hear these conversations the most aren't at the table. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like uh, Pastor Matt and Takeover, you guys are good. I just seen Pastor Evan Black jump on here. Pastor Evan Black, he's 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 on this. He's at this table, um, speaking up about these racial injustices and inequalities. But it's like, man, the people who need to be here the most refuse to come to the table. Yeah. But I think the re the way that we do that, the way that we get them to hear it, is through our white brothers and sisters. Because here's the. Th- Black folks have been saying this for hundreds of years and no one's wanted to hear. No one's wanted to pay attention. And so when my white brothers and sisters are saying, hey, uh, what do I do? How do I help? Like, how can I make a difference? How can I make a change? The answer is talk to your circle. Talk to your friends, your family, because we've been saying it for hundreds of years and it's not been heard. Maybe if they hear you say it, it'll change something. There's something about man, sometimes hearing something from someone who looks like you, right? Or someone who comes from your background. And so I've been telling guys like, man, listen, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to your church, talk to your circle, and don't wait for these types of things to happen. Listen, bring black preachers into your church to preach, you know, like you need to, and here's another thing. Listen, have black folks in your leadership. Talk about it. Um, Have black folks in your volunteer leadership and your staff leadership. If we want to be diverse churches, oh, and there's a, and this is probably a horrible thing to say, but in marketing, whatever, whatever you project is what you attract. Sure. Right? So if you want to reach more black folks, start projecting black folks. Right. In your social media, in yeah. your pulpit, right? right? On your platforms, in your leadership. Okay. And as you do that with a genuine heart, 
you're going to start to see that you grow in diversity, but it's speaking out when you see injustice happening, making this conversation normal uh, through action. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't even, like it doesn't even have the old saying of action speak louder than words. I don't even have to talk to you about it. I, let me just demonstrate it. I'll right. show it to you. Right. You know? Yeah. I'll show it to you. I'll show you it through the people that I have in leadership. And I'm not saying put force minorities into positions of leadership in your church. Because right. that's when you can have issues, whether it's white or black. Right. You, know, you can force people into positions. Like, we've all done it. We've all made that mistake in, in, as, pa as pastors and pastoring, where you put someone in a position just because you either like the person, you think they're a great person, right. or you really... But have no character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you put them in there, you're like, man, wrong fit, bad decision. So I'm not saying put put minorities in positions right. of leadership uh, just to do so. Pray right. that they come in. Yeah. You know, pray that they come in and then yeah. pray that God highlights them. And I think that, again, through actions, we'll start to change the tide. But, man, like I said, shout out to you. Shout out to all my other white brothers and sisters that have been leading the way far before a George Floyd Floyd situation ever happened because that's what we need. 100%. We have a, we have a segment in church, segment, whatever, uh, where we do prayer and praise. Uh, right after worship, we're coming out. We got prayer cards. Uh, and then on the backside of prayer is always praise, right? And so we have one of uh, – I don't know if it's the last one that we always hit or it's the first one that we always hit, but we – uh, we have three things on there that we pray for. One, we pray for uh, the local church. We pray for the, every other church in Grand Rapids. We want to see God rule and reign in those churches. If you're going to lift up the name of Jesus, we want to see you following the name of Jesus. We, we do that. Then we pray for takeover church, and we pray for our leadership, that we will be humble, that we will be teachable, that we would be approachable. Um, right. And we pray that we want to see a multi-generational, multi multicultural, multi-ethnic uh, multi uh, church. And we have been putting that out since day one. Like this yeah. is something that's for us. It's it's just always been huge. And I think obviously in our personal time with the Lord, in our personal prayer time, we are obviously still praying for those things. Yeah. Um, but I think it's been really important for us as a church for them to to see that. Like yeah, we 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 are a predominantly white church because again, here I am as a as a white dude. Like it, you're gonna it's gonna happen. Um, but we do have people of color. It's awesome. It's growing. And for me, yeah. the, I, I, again, going back to Sunday's message, one of the first things I did when I got off the platform was we have this amazing young uh, Latino girl named Nat. She goes by Nat the Goat on Instagram. Shout out, Nat the Goat. <laughs> Love you, girl. And I asked her. She's a trusted voice. She's she's like goes above and beyond for our church. She reps hard for us. She is so committed and she's amazing. And, and I asked her and she's trusted. Like I, there's some people you don't ask questions to cause you don't trust them. Like yeah. you know, trust them as a friend. But if, when it comes to this subject, um, maybe they're not equipped, maybe they're not a person of color. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like there's certain people you're not going to back. You're not soundboard that message off of. Yeah. And I pulled her aside and I said, Nat, how was that? Did I overstep? Did I say something that I shouldn't have? Like, and I'm, cause I was willing to get back, like, turn that camera back on. <laughs> like I will, right, right. I'll <laughs> something if I need to, or say that I just got rebuked and, and I'll do that. Like, and that was incredible. Thankfully she loved everything and, and thought I hit the mark. And, um, but for me, it's like, we've got to have those voices. We've got to, yeah. 
and I was talking to a, another young guy. And I'm gonna, I want to get to, uh, I think it's uh, Pastor Evan Black's question in a second here, uh, which is really cool. I, if you guys got a question, let's do it. We'll take a Q and A section. Yeah, for real sure. Yeah. Let's hit that. Um, so drop it in there. We'll hit yours in a second, Evan. But one of the things for me was. I, I was first told we were planting church. I thought this was so ridiculous, and I still think it's ridiculous. They were like, well, if you're going to plant a church in that part of the neighborhood and be white, um, you need to start getting stock images of, of black people and people of color from, like, Unsplash and posting that on your social media. You're going to you're gonna get, decision what you're going <laughs> get what you go for. And I'm like, dude, if you think I have <laughs> some sort of, of – I don't know. I almost feel like you get, it's almost like a trap. You know what I mean? Like yeah. false marketing in its infancy. Like I'm going to yeah. pray for uh, people of color to come to church. I'm going to make myself a person of culture to, to understand. We put ourselves in the neighborhood. Most of my neighbors are black. Like yeah. we love them all. We got amazing Miss Karen across the street. Like we talk to these people. We're outside. We're involved yeah. in our community. We go to our Oakdale neighbors association meetings when we had, well, before COVID. Um, yeah. Like, we're about this. We talk to the churches in this area, and it's like, if you think, though, that I was going to false market so that I could get, uh, you know, so I could get black people to come to to my church by, like, you're gonna, what's what's going to happen? You're going to show up, and they're not going to be there. Like, you <laughs> like, you just show up, and all of a sudden, there's an all-white meeting, but they advertise these pictures? Like, right, I, right. I will never have to know what that's like, but I could just imagine the sinking feeling you would have when you're like, okay, now it's awkward because I'm here and I can't leave, but I feel like they just kind of pulled one over on me. Like <laughs> I just, uh, yeah. When we first started church, that was mind blowing to me. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like yeah. that was one of the biggest things that I had heard was, was how to market that. And then also we got people in West Michigan coming at us because my wife is also a pastor. Like, Read your Bibles. Paul, and you're all reformed, and you think he's your guy, uh, was even talking about take care of the women who have been with me in ministry who have been preaching alongside me. Like, <laughs> yeah. he was just the guy who was chosen to write write that by the Holy Spirit. He acknowledged that he had women. like yeah. women. So, I don't know. It's wild to me, but that was one of the things that um, was – disgusting to me to an extent like yeah like obviously we have that we have some hispanic people uh, more predominantly that are coming to church which is awesome but it's like yeah we're gonna we're gonna be in photos just as much as as anybody else and uh because we're gonna be equal when it comes to who we we broadcast and who we put up and stuff and right but to say that we're gonna just pull one over on a community um and it was people, no shots fired it was people who were you know, in the in those arc conversations and some other places, oh, my. <laughs> not the look. That's not yeah, the way. Yeah. I recognize your heart, but I couldn't imagine being that person to show up and just feel hoodwinked. You know, like yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. And, and they'll and every, people notice that it's a a bought picture, that it's not a real picture that you right. bought it on online. You know, and dude, I. I my recommendation to people with that is like, if you've got one black person that put them on your social media and pictures like them. Right. Whatever it is, I don't care. Even take a picture behind them with their hand in the air worshiping. That's good. You know, right. but like, yeah, man, you've got a, you've got to show some love to the, to the black folks that you have that are coming to your church. Um, but yeah, 
So what was uh, sure, Pastor right. Evans' question? Pastor Evans said, what do you say to the white guys who say they don't know what to say? I say the fact that you say you don't know what to say shows great humility. There you go. I think that's a great place to start. Hey, listen, I don't really know the right words. I don't, I don't understand what you've experienced and just put that out there, but say, I'm willing to understand. Yeah. You know, I, I understand that, man, I, I need to see our country and I need to see what you experienced through your perspective. And so if I can do that, and let me tell you that some of the most powerful statements that I've heard in this short bit of time uh, over the last week and it was just written on a Hanes white T-shirt and like some marker. It was a, a white family, and it simply said, I hear you, I see you, I value you. Yeah. And, man, I didn't even realize I needed to hear that or wow. see that. Wow. But when I read it, when I read their shirts, I realized there was a part of me that needed to hear that and see that because yeah. it brings validation. So we have to validate our uh, black brothers and sisters, yeah. brothers and sisters. We have to validate the experience that they have by letting them know, like, listen, cause that's the issue with black America is the reason why black America is so angry is because they feel unheard. Yeah. They've been marching since the civil rights movement They've been protesting uh, different things since, dude, um, that, the movie Birth of a Nation. There's another, uh, so if, for those of you who are on here or will listen later, uh, I think it's Amazon Prime that has a bunch of free movies uh, dealing with civil rights or even just dealing with uh, what it's like to be black in America. Yeah. And there's one called uh, Birth of a Movement, I believe, and it's, and it's kind of critiquing the movie Birth of a Nation, which previously was called the Klansman um, and just kind of understanding this perspective, like in order for you to say, I, I understand you or I understand where you're coming from. You have to take time to, uh, to listen. Yeah. Um, and there's no connection without communication. So if when I'm trying to express my experience as a black person in America, we'll never connect if we don't communicate. Yeah. No, 100%. I think that's so good. And, you know, obviously, I've never, I've never had to experience that uh, on that side of things. But for human, um, for human understanding and empathy and education to take place, like how many times are people just, especially in ministry, you'll understand this, how many people, how many times are people just so disgruntled and so upset, but at the end of the day, they, it always comes back to not feeling hurt. Like the second you have a conversation and you yeah. sit down, and go, all right, tell me, tell me what's going on. Tell me how I can better serve you. Tell me how I can change how, what I can right. do, or even just tell me how, how you feel all of a sudden, like that groundswell that was there is almost completely deflated. The second you come to the table and you just say, Hey, let's break bread and let's talk about this right. like, let's conversation around this because, uh, that's just kind of human nature across the board. Like yeah. communication will give way to empathy, communication will give way to sympathy, communication will give way to clarity and understanding. 
And yeah, I just look at Jesus at the well through this whole thing. And that's always been my, it's not the only one, obviously, but that's always been my crux and my axis for how I spin around this conversation and how I revolve around uh, humans in general. Like you look at it because we, again, we whitewash the Bible. So in our own mind, we don't understand that between a Jewish person and a Samaritan, those are racial lines. Those are things that weren't crossed back then. Those are two people groups of different histories that did right. not belong simply because of who and, and what they were. And here is Jesus who's like, nope, I, I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to take a beeline. Like, it's completely out of the way. Right. He's completely out of his way. It's so much quicker to go this way. And he actually dismissed his disciples who he knew. You're Jewish boys. You're not going to be about this. Go. And right. I'm going to do this thing. And obviously they came back and once – they saw that reconciliation take place. Obviously, a lot of different reconciliation was taking place there for that woman and that Samaritan. Um, but once they had seen it, like the fruit of it, well, then their eyes were able to open up and be like, oh. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. says that Jesus, he sat there, and they had a conversation. They talked. Yeah. It, it wasn't this five-part message series. It wasn't this, you know, broken down how-to. It was a conversation where the king of the universe, fully man and fully God, who was yeah. born to met with a person who was a Samaritan. Both races have never gotten along. And here she is in the midst of more than just being a Samaritan meeting with a Jewish person. She said, who are you, a Jew, to ask me for a drink? Like, she right. thought, oh. And he was like, you know, here's a conversation. She has her own guilt, her own shame, her own situation going on. And we see just reconciliation across racial lines, across sin lines, across the, uh, all of it, just a bridge here between, again, God and man. Take, yeah. And it says that they left together, and they went to the town of Samaria where she lived and led a two-day revival. Like, <laughs> are you telling me that revival can be on the backside of racial reconciliation? Right. Are you telling hey. me that? Like, come on. Hey. Come on. Listen, man, and you got to deal with the fact that Jesus hardcore rebuked Peter for being so pro-Israel, so yep. pro-Jew, yep. but not being about other ethnicities. Right. And so I think if Jesus were here today, he would harshly rebuke um, some of my white brothers and sisters who are refusing to acknowledge other people's ethnicities and pain and have decided to be so pro-American before they're Christian. Absolutely. And, like, listen, um, you're Christian before you're American. And, I know, and, and the problem is, is you can't say that without people feeling like you're not being patriotic. Right. But um, that cross... is soaked in the flag is soaked in the blood of Jesus. Absolutely, dude. And it's like, and we... We, we are to elevate that cross above that. And I think that's part of the issue, man. It's like, again, man, we're, you can't understand why Kaepernick did what he did because you're American before you're Christian. Right. And the greatest example of empathy and sympathy is Jesus. And you see that. And if Jesus would rebuke Peter, man, I think he'd rebuke some people here today for not having empathy and sympathy and being pro whatever their race is or pro their country before they are humble enough to understand how other people in their community are being affected by racism. Right. And I think too, one of the, 
one of the things again guys if you have any questions drop them in the comments we'll hit a we'll hit a rapid fire of, of those as much as you can rapid yeah, fire get it. um but i think one of the things too that the church just needs to realize is that you are the bride of christ before you are american before right. you are before you are russian no matter where you come from you are the now the bride of christ you right. are uh, from a different kingdom, you are not of this world, and because Amen. of that, it this world shouldn't it, it doesn't it doesn't give you it doesn't give the church power for this world to influence the church, but it gives the church power to influence this world. We are a subversive kingdom where we are going to rise up underneath. Underneath, we're called to we exist within this American paradigm for okay. sure. But we rise up underneath this as a new nation, as a different type of place, as a different type yeah. of people peculiar people so yeah it may it may not look like um it may be uncomfortable to be peculiar yeah but it's prophetic yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? like this is what the world needs right now we talk about it that great that great quote that says in a scared world what the world needs is a, is a fearless church well i think right now in a divided world what the church needs is a united or what the world needs is a united church no doubt have to be in sync on this and link arms and say we belong to a kingdom that cannot have racism exist that exists in every other kingdom yeah we cannot we cannot be in a in a, as a people group and allow this to exist which exists in other people groups yeah we nation unto ourselves we are a bride to christ we are married to christ we are not married to a country we are not yeah. married to a president we are not married to a political party right. and if we have been well, then we need to repent and return home because there's a part of us that have been existing outside of the kingdom walls, and that part needs to come home. Because in order for God, truly through you, the way he wants to, to the capacity at which he wants to, those have to be gone. That yeah. has to be gone. There is some blockade inside of you, whether it's America, whether it's um, you know uh, Colombia, whatever country, name it, that exists, yeah. that Christianity has to, has to lead first. And then when we get in trouble there is that there's people who will use that and they'll use it to actually discredit uh, the racism that's happening in our country. And they'll go, well, that's not our problem. No, no, right. it, because we're not, we're not here just to exist outside of our country. We are here to reconcile our country. Right. We have work to do. And it's not just to reconcile people back to Christ. It's to bring Jesus uh, in all of the gospels. When he says, uh, gave up his only son to reconcile the world yeah. onto himself. I'm sorry. We are not <laughs> exempt from this fight. We are yeah. not exempt from this. We are a nation unto ourselves where racism is not allowed to exist. So we need to eradicate it here within the four walls of the church so that right. we can truly shine a light on it in the rest of the country. Yeah. And say, oh, no, no. Injustice, not okay. Demonic, that needs to go back to hell. That's right. not okay kingdom of god and i'm gonna fight so that's not a part of the kingdom of america either right right yeah dude i think the church needs to do what it did back when uh slavery was abolished they led the way yeah they led the way for that to happen yeah and we need to lead the way to finish the job right so right now racism in this country is weak compared to all out slavery it's still strong but it's weak it's weaker let me say that man it's time to cut the head off the giant man like but the church is the one i believe that's called to lead the charge to cut the head off of that giant 
but in our silence, we're actually not even addressing the giant. If, if David would have decided not to address the Goliath situation, yeah, then it would have continued. Goliath and all of his brothers would have continued to just beat up on uh, the Israel Israelites. Run rough shot. Yep, absolutely. So, in the same way as the church, man, let's not run away from this Goliath. And when yeah. you're and when you're quiet. That's the same thing as David just kind of sitting on the sidelines and watching Goliath just beat up his brothers and sisters of Israel and just right. letting it happen. Right. And meanwhile, you got the slingshot. You got the five smooth stones. Right. You refuse to step up and make it happen. I think right. pastors across America need to step up and make it happen. I think white brothers and sisters need to step up and make it happen. I think for my black brothers and sisters, we need to be willing to be healed. Yeah. Um, there's a difference between get over it and get healed. Right. And oh, could say that again. Yeah. Wow. So, and I think for us, sometimes when we hear things, we filter it as get over it. Um, and sometimes people are actually saying get over it. Right. But I think what we need to do is we need to get healed. I talked about something a couple of weeks ago in one of my messages, um, about, uh, the Roman centurions are, excuse me, the, the Jewish uh, temple guards and the Pharisees, Sadducees coming to arrest Jesus in the garden. Yep. And Peter, being the OG that he is, pulls out his sword <laughs> and, uh, and, like any OG, just cuts his ear off, right? And the ear is laying on the ground. There's all this commotion. And Malchus, in that moment, could have demanded Peter put his ear back on. But Peter didn't have that capability. Peter didn't have that ability. And I think what's happened is, is unfortunately racism in this country has wounded my black brothers and sisters. Yeah. And we're looking to white people to, to cause that healing. It's not going to happen from them. Right. Because they don't have enough power to make that happen. They can say, I'm sorry. They can uh, say, man, what can I do? The yeah. wound is still there. We as a community have to look to Jesus and say, can you put my ear back on? Because wow. that's exactly what Jesus did. He reached wow. down, he picked the ear up, he put it back on the side of his head, and he was made whole again. Now, the remnant of his experience was still on him. The blood was still dried on his face. The blood was still on his garment later on that day. Right. So it, there's no denial that it happened but he was still made whole. There you go. What's up, bro? Yo, sorry. I don't know if that was me or you or whatever. That's nah, all good, man. I, uh, what did you hear last? Um, basically, I think you were you were kind of at the tail end of your thought around um, the the blood was still there, 
it's not like it didn't happen, but the Lord yeah. was able to heal him in that moment. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what we have to do as a community, man. Listen, it doesn't mean it didn't hurt. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it does mean that there's a savior that wants to heal us. Right. And so my wife was preaching a couple of weeks ago and she talked about, um, if my people were called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then I will heal that their land. And when you look at the Hebrew for the word heal, one of the definitions is to heal from a deep national wound. And there's been no deeper national wound than what's happened with black America. But we have to humble ourselves. We have to pray and we have to turn our hearts as a whole from what's hap what's been happening and move towards Christ together. And as we do that, he can heal those deep wounds, those deep national wounds. Yeah. But man, it's going to take a, a praying church and it's going to take a repentant church. Wow. I know people don't like preaching about those types of things, but at Champion City Church, man, we'd be preaching about it. Come on. But it's Come like on. repentance needs to happen. And as a nation, I think, man, how powerful would it be? Trump is this big Christian and big Christian president. If he stood in that Oval Office and repented on behalf of a nation and said, I don't have any slaves, never had any slaves. I'm not, and, and say, like, I'm not contributing towards that. However, on behalf of this nation, right. I repent for the sin of racism and for the sin of slavery. Do you know how much healing could come to this nation from a simple gesture like that? But wow. I, well, I don't think we're ever going to see that with this president. But somebody in that position of authority being president needs to sit in that Oval Office and say, on behalf of America as a country, yeah. we repent. Yeah. That's so good. I kind of have, I kind of have two more questions for you myself. Yeah. One of them being on that same topic, you know, when you said, you know, we may never see that out of this president. Um, one of the things that we've been encouraging as a church to do and, and anybody else that I've been fortunate enough to reach out to is, is um, you look back at Pharaoh, right? And you look back and, the necessity wasn't there necessarily. Like, obviously, the goal was for him to change. That would have been awesome. Um, but what instead we saw was God used a Joseph to to rise up and, and have the ear, to have the ear, you know, to have a direct line. He's, he's God's guy. And while, while the leader of the nation, quote, unquote, isn't, isn't in direct connection with God, you know, I'm not, I'm not here looking at Trump's, you know, spiritual well-being or not. You right, know, God's right. heart, man, looks at the outside appearance. I'm not trying to play God right now. Right, right, right. It's for us as a church, one of the things that we've been praying for um, publicly and personally and just having our team come around is, God, raise up a Joseph within this administration. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it could be someone from the shadows. It could be someone who was um, unknown previously. It could be... Um, you know, anybody within the administration or outside of the administration, yeah. raise up someone, God, that, hey, one second, guys, <laughs> dogs, um, 
but it can be someone within our country that ri- that raises up, that God just brings and anoints and ordains for this moment that yeah. would be to be the Joseph in that situation and, and speak truth to power, speak gospel to power. Um, and for us, that's just one of those things that we've been, been praying for. And, and one of the things that I kind of want to get your thoughts on are, okay, so there's like the Christian side of this, right? Which is awesome. And that's what we've been predominantly speaking about today. And then there's this due diligence as a nation, as an American to yeah. raise your voice, to vote, to do these things, which I think is, is awesome. And admittedly, this is something I had to repent for. Um, I, for the longest time was kind of riding the cart of, um, no vote is a vote. You know what I mean? Like I'm voting by not voting. And yeah. so <laughs> And I want to repent of that publicly right now, um, you know, because like, oh, well, there's there's no lesser of two evils here. So whatever, whatever. And right. let's get into the minutia of it and you can get down to the whatever. What I did was wrong. And that's not OK, because there are people um, who were forced to fight for this country, drafted in the fight for this country, both black, brown, white, otherwise, like yeah. there are people who have been willingly given up their lives and all of these things so that we can have some sort of say now obviously because of the current situation that's being highlighted right now we need more of a say there needs to be this but really i think if christians would mobilize and go we need to recognize two things one is that we need jesus again to change hearts that's that's the bottom line there's not going to be we're not going to eradicate racism in people without jesus first changing that person's life. Any sort of real lasting life change can only come from Jesus. But the second we need to recognize, and I want to get your thoughts on on both of these, is, yo, we need to vote both local and federal because there are laws that need to be put in place to protect people from the people who don't want to change. Do you? Do you? So kind of kind of what are your thoughts like as, as a Christian pastor, as a, as a man who's leading the church, but also speaking to believers and non-believers alike, what are, what are your thoughts on, on the mobilization behind behind voting and behind doing that and, and our, our needing to do our due diligence to do that? Yeah, um, man, I'll be honest, man, there's been moments where I'm like, what's the purpose of voting? Right. You know, I've I've had those moments, and I'd be lying if I didn't say I myself have skipped elections at times. Yeah. Um. But I think we have to find people who are aligned with our values, and put those people in positions of power, and then hold them accountable. Yeah. Um. I think we vote, but then we don't hold people accountable to what they said they were going to do. Right. And that's why nothing gets done. Mm-hmm. So we have to put people in positions of, of authority that we trust. And we do that, obviously, like you said, through, through our vote. Um, but man, I think as, and I know, I know you said as, as the world, but I think, let, let me take a step back as believers. I think we need to get in, involved in these positions of, of, of power um, because then our Christian principles and ideals are what are what's guiding us to make legislation um, guiding us to make decisions that better our our nation so and i've been telling black brothers and sisters too man like their mindset is well 
what's the purpose of getting involved in leadership? I talked to a, a, a young group who was pretty passionate, and they're like, we need to create a new Black Panther Party um, because there's no sense of being in, in leadership in this government. And I'm like, if that's the case, then the people who are in power who don't have your best interests in mind will always be making laws for you will always be setting the tone for you. Yep. So the only way that we can change things is to get in these positions of power, authority, and leadership and steward that position well um, for the glory of God and then also for the betterment of other people. So I would say find people that line up with your Christian values. And I can't yep. say that enough. Find people that line up with your Christian values and yep. make sure that you're voting that. And it's such a hard thing to do, man, because you've got some people who – Man, they're good on these things, but you're like, I'm vehemently opposed to this. And so you're like, man, crap, who do I vote for? Um, right. So it can be a tough thing for sure. Definitely. And I think that's just where, like you said, vote your Christian values. I think kingdom principles are paramount. Um, Absolutely. And I think also the Holy Spirit, like he, he is so aware. Like grace truly does cover a multitude of everything. And... Yes. I think if you are a believer today and you believe in the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit, you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, you first recognize that the Holy Spirit is never going to contradict the Word of God. I hate when people say that, like not that part, when they say, oh, I felt the Spirit was leading me to this. I'm like, well, what you said he was leading you to was in direct opposition to what he said in his Word. So right. maybe not, you know, uh, but I think I think it's God is consistent across the board. And so... But he's also fully aware of your city, of your town, of your village, of your state, of your country, where you're at. And, you know, he, Republican or Democrat may not be blanketed across the board for how you feel he is leading you in. As long yeah. as it lines up with what the word of God says, like we, yeah. we have big things that are like the non-negotiables. I understand those for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's also like what he may lead somebody to do in Bentonville, Arkansas to, to, to vote in and whatever may look different than what he chooses to lead me in here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it's not that the, not that he's changed or that he's thrown out one thing for the other. It's that you have a unique climate in that position right now. Right. Always when he was saying, hey, take care of my women preachers in Corinthians that I've been with since day one. But he's also talking to Timothy and saying, hey, here's a situation that's happening in your church. This is what you need to do about that. And we get all up in arms and people are going, oh, well, women should be preachers. Well, hold on. Paul just said this. And then we think it's a contradiction. No, no. He's speaking. And Jesus did this, too, to cultural issues and significance in that day and age and time and what God would say about that in that moment for those people at such a time. It's yeah. the same here in voting. We just don't want to recognize that. And it's like, get in the word of God, be in community. Like let, I think we, one of the things that we need to go back to for sure as a church or not go back to, but maybe reinforce is confirm the mouth of two or more witnesses. And there just needs to be some real prayer and some real yeah. clarity. And there's a reason that it says confirm the mouth of two or more witnesses because there's the human element where someone may have bias and someone may be not hearing completely clear for whatever reason. Maybe they have sin in their life. Maybe they have prejudgment, whatever. There's a reason that the Bible says confirm the mouth of two or more witnesses. And we could go, well, the Holy Spirit is in all of us, so should we just need one person to confirm it? Well, no, there's the human element. Yeah. 
So when it comes to voting, we do need laws. We do need a uh, legislature in place to protect people from people who don't want to change, who don't want to repent, who don't want to come underneath the alignment of the Holy Spirit, heaven's purpose for their life, and Jesus Christ on the cross. They right. may not want to do that. So we do need to vote and raise our voice and awareness to protect those who laws have not worked. Like going back to the last video we just did, um, like you said, the Jim Crow laws, things that were set up implicitly to not benefit in a complete part of our humanity. And right. it's like, yeah, that may look different and it may be uncomfortable in some other place than here in Michigan, but it doesn't mean that God's not in it, that the Holy Spirit's not behind it. He's going to help direct you and lead you. That's why it can't just be a donkey or an elephant here. It has got to be a lamb. It has got to be the Jesus. It oh, has got to be our God. And it's got to be the Holy Spirit. That's so good. That's God, good. Yeah. I think I think conversations like this between you and me um, are really going to be are really going to be about it. I think are going to really going to be bringing about change. Like I think I think for some people this conversation won't be enough. I think yeah. for some people everything we've said won't be enough. But we're not responsible to being enough for all people. Paul said, uh, I uh, became all things to all people so that some might be saved. He right. wasn't saying all would be. He's not saying what we're doing is going to be a cover-all or enough for some people to hear. But right. some, some might come to, to this realization. That's what we're responsible for. And I just think that this is what the church needs to start doing. Like you said, obviously, we need to be praying for, um, as white leaders, for sure, uh, especially in these areas where these racial lines are still severely drawn. Like, there's a part in Grand Rapids, and I live right by it, right? Um, I'm predominantly in what would be considered the black neighborhood of town. We live right on Oakdale Street. We are in the thick of it here, and it's amazing, and I love it, and I couldn't feel more loved and welcomed, and, and it's an awesome neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but just down the road off of Adams Street here, you can go up it, and the second you go from the 49507 to the other area code right there, there is literally a street, a cross street like this, that one side of it, bougie, white, Bentley's, <laughs> big houses, all of that. And then on the other side of that cross street is extreme poverty, is wow. all of those things. And it's just like, dude, like it's so systematic here that it's not yeah. even – it's not even just political at this point. And to an extent, that is obviously politics. But I mean, like, it's not just this. It's literally going back to the way cities were set up and less desired areas were set up and who was allowed to get a rent yeah. loan from the bank to this neighborhood and who wasn't. And it's just, dude, for these deep-seated things, we need to vote so we can protect those rights and gain rights for our brothers and sisters of color for sure right there. Yeah. But we got to be on our knees just saying, Jesus Use us, change us, give us the authority and dominion to speak up into these issues. And, you know, it's never been comfortable being uncomfortable, but yeah. Jesus still went to the cross and we still did this. And the book of Acts, as much as we want to say, let's return to the early church. That's a big deal right now. Let's return to the early church. Let's get rid of these things. They want to deconstruct what we currently have for where we started. But where we started were people literally losing their heads, losing their right. lives, giving it up for the cause of Christ. For, right. for trying to reconcile their cities, the places they were in, from Asia to Rome and everywhere in between. If you want to go back to that, let's start doing it. No greater love than to lay down our life for a friend. Come on. Right. Let's freaking do it because it's going to be uncomfortable. You might think you want to be in a house church. You might think that. 
but what comes alongside being uh, people of the early church and what we've always done is we need to be willing to risk our lives, our reputation, our church, our tithes, our 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 buildings. We may, we yeah. need to be, uh, risk numbers to see this thing turn around. We yeah. to be incredibly white, risk <laughs> a biscuit. Okay, like I just I don't know, man. I really appreciate you coming uh, on here with me today and having this conversation. And really, what I want to do is for my church, for Takeover Church and everybody else that's uh, attending this right now, what I want to do is I want to give you the microphone, give you the platform, um, and say, dude, if you got a word, if you want to, and obviously I want to have you finish up in prayer, I want to have you wrap this up in prayer, but if you got a word, if you got something you would like the attention of my church to hear, um, and people who are obviously tuning in that know us both and are from your community and my community, um, the floor is yours. And I just want to say, Bruce, take it away, whatever it is, do it. Um, man, I would say something I've been echoing, and it, I think it's the heartbeat of our society right now, is just listen to understand. Yeah. Listen to understand. And even for my black brothers and sisters, listen to understand. I... Uh, I had a situation a couple days ago where one of my wife's uh, co-workers was trying to genuinely connect with me and understand uh, how to uh, view me and communicate and identify and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, well, I don't really know. Do I call you black, African-American, colored? And I'm like, I heard colored. And I'm like, I got triggered for a moment. But it's like, I had to be willing to have the humility to understand that he didn't mean anything by it. He's genuinely trying to identify. He's genuinely trying to figure out how does this thing work? And we have to give one another grace to make slip ups and mistakes in the process of this. When you're first learning how to dance, you always step on the other person's toes until you guys get some chemistry together. Then you're off. And so as a, as a country and as the church, we have to be willing to get our toes stepped on as we're trying to figure out how to dance together and do this thing together. Wow. And so I would say, man, like, just say, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what it's like to be in your shoes, but help me understand your perspective. Yep. And what you do in that moment is you add value to someone's life and experience. Yeah. And when you add value to someone's life and experience, then that's when they're going to feel like they're heard. And then that's when there's communication. So, so that there can be connection. Yeah. Um, and those are my, my big things that I would say. Yeah. Um, that's so good. And as you were saying that, I thought of when the fathers, you know, Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, you know, help me with my unbelief. You right. know, there's that part of as for for me as a as a white man, as a white preacher to to speak to white people. There's no shame in going to the cross of Jesus with any other sin. And so with when it comes to racism, if, yeah. if that's been something that's been in your life and in your family and, and those things, just go to God and say, Help me with my unbelief. Oh racism. Absolutely. No, no, no. Stop this. Stop with your thoughts and your opinions. 
bring it to the table of peace that God has prepared with you in your relationship and say, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my clarity. Help me with, sorry. Let me, let me, let me say this real quick too. Yeah. Me and you both know this. In, in marriage counseling, there's never any progress when the, in the couple that you're, you're, you're counseling, one of them says, when you're trying to help them understand what they're doing, and they say, yeah, but he does this. Right. Yeah, but she does that. And they right. continue to focus on their spouse rather than focus on the thing that they need to fix in themselves. And I think on the topic of race, stop saying about the other race, yeah, but they do this. Right. Focus on yourself. Yeah. Focus on yourself and let, because listen, you're not held accountable for their heart. They're held accountable for their heart. But when you stand before God, he will hold you accountable for yours. So wow. stop worrying about what other people are doing. Make sure that your heart is right before God so that when you stand before him, this is not something that he brings up at the judgment seat to bring judgment. Like, let him deal with your heart. Dude, that's so good. That's so good. I think <sighs> repentance is just needed. It's yeah. just there's. He went to the cross to remove the shame of repentance. It's, there's no shame in it for any of us. Yeah. But if you're a white person and have had racism in your heart, it's been deep-seated. You were raised that way. Yeah. Grandma was that way. Like, it just runs deep, and it's what you've always known. Yeah. I just church on Sunday. I said, dude, before I ever understood what a Middle Eastern person was, my dad said the word sand. Right, you know, right. And that was what I heard growing up. And uh, – Luckily enough, I grew up with with uh, being being sometimes finding myself being the only white kid in the group, which is great, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I had that culture given to me, and I had that ability. Um, but dude, like if that's your reality, and you're a Jesus follower now, and you realize that you find yourself walking your dog, wanting to cross to the other side of the street because someone looks different than you is coming down it, uh, any sort of prejudice, you know. Yeah. There's no shame in just coming to Jesus. He's, he's quick to forgive. He's quick to yeah. heal. He's quick to move. And it's just offering yourself up saying, you know, when Jesus goes across, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Maybe you're a person who knows not what they've done or what they felt or what they believe or how they prejudge. Yeah. And let's lay it down. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation for those. Yeah. That are... And, dude, let's just take that shame off you today and say, Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my prejudice. Help me with how I felt. And God, just give me a fresh pair of eyes and a fresh heart to receive love and a fresh heart to give love. And like, let's just start there. Yeah. Let's get down to pride. Going back to when you first started talking today, let's lay down that pride and let's just re receive the fresh start between us and people of uh, brothers and sisters of color, black, brown, all of us. Let's lay that down and receive that today and be like, we can move forward. I can raise my voice. Um, and one of the things we didn't get to today was, you know, we're running on two hours here and I'll let you get back to things. But one of the things that we didn't talk about was white privilege. And I just want to, before we end this, I just want to declare emphatically, white privilege is a thing. Ben. It's real. I don't care if you listen to Rush Limbaugh or anybody else. <laughs> white privilege is real. Because I have been to jail, and I've been, uh, I've been running with the wrong crowd. I've done some bad things in my day. And you know what? For something far less than I did, 
I was a white man arrested but never put in handcuffs while people who looked differently than me that were black yeah. were put in handcuffs for while mine was stealing theirs they they just got caught with weed which is now legal today so yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah real and yeah. i've experienced it and if you have white privilege um you know maybe you find yourself in that situation not being handcuffs and you tell that officer put me in handcuffs because you know obviously you find yourself in handcuffs there's probably a reason for you as white people <laughs> it over but tell yeah. that officer put me in handcuffs right next to him because this isn't okay you know if it's you're you lead a business and you have a way to give equal opportunity and you're a christian this is your moment this is your moment i don't care if the resume doesn't look as good let's 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 start offering up opportunities you know so so many times in the church today you hear oh five steps to how to have a great thriving business enough with that that's stupid like, yes, does Jesus want to grow your business and your income and stuff like that? Does he want to have you have influence in your sector for the kingdom of God? Of course. But yeah. what are you doing with that influence? Yeah. Maybe take a risk on somebody who doesn't have the same resume because they came from a neighborhood that doesn't, uh, doesn't get the same kind of tax income to give them good schools and give them good teaching and give them all the extracurricular activities. Take a risk. Let's start today. Let's, let's use actually what God has graced us for and give grace to those who don't have the privilege that we do. And let's start in a tangible way that we can today because white privilege is real. And with all privilege and with all giftings and with all talents, they are your responsibility. And you have a, uh, you have a mandate from heaven to use them to give people less fortunate, to meet the poor where they are at, yeah. to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, and give opportunity to those who have not had it. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, it's uh, steward it well, man. I, I think uh, I've explained. I've been asked that question here recently, and I know that's kind of a trigger word for uh, for some people that they just mentally check out. Um, but what I've told them is, I mean, I myself with my wife and kids have walked into a restaurant, stood in the doorway, not been acknowledged, yep, and sat there, and and no one came to say feel free to take a seat wherever you want. And then I looked down to my right and the sign said today's special redneck platter. So I knew exactly why we weren't greeted. I knew exactly why we weren't seated. It's a privilege to not have that happen to you. That's a privilege. Um, man, it's, it's a privilege to not have to, to not be a nine year old. That's called monkey. That's a privilege. You know, it's a privilege that when you walk down the street, white women don't clutch their purses. That's a privilege, you know? Um, so I think people don't realize that even in the small things, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to not be treated different, you know? Yeah. Um, man, like, dude, I go on a prayer walk. I told a buddy of mine this other day. I go on a prayer walk, and I intentionally wear white clothes or white hoodies or, like, bright color hoodies. Yeah. just to communicate that I'm not a threat. It's a privilege that you can leave your There we go. Ooh. Sorry about that. No, it's all good, bro. Um, no, nah, but what I was just saying, man, is like it's it's a privilege to not have those things happen, man. And I can run off story after story after story of things that have happened, but now um, this just happened like a, a week ago where we were in a store 
and my daughter's 12 and um she got followed around the store and i remember being followed around stores and i'm still followed around stores to this day and i'm a college educated pastor but i'll still be followed around stores um but it's a privilege to not be followed around the store and it's a privilege to not see your daughter being followed around the store because of the color of her skin you know what i mean so it's like I think people hear the term white privilege and they get very defensive and I understand it, but you have to take a moment to understand like where a person is coming from. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, I was talking with, a, a, talking with a, a guy that I know and um, he was saying that he had, he had a buddy who went to a job, filled out the application, dropped off his resume and in the process forgot to put something on the application. So he said, I'm going to go back in there and put it on there. So he goes back in there. He says, hey, now, mind you, he went from the building to the car, turned around, went back in the building just that quick. So I forgot to put something on my on my resume. Can I have my, my resume back? She says, oh, yeah, reaches in the garbage, puts his application and resume back on the counter and gives it back to him. It's a privilege that because of your skin, you can drop off an application and it's not immediately going in the garbage. Are you, you know kidding? what I mean? Um, like there's a girl who she filled out uh, 10, she filled out 10 applications for the same job, got no call back. And then she changed her application to say white and got a call back immediately. You can Google this. There's a, they did an interview with her, they did a story on it. It's a privilege to not have that happen to you to be given equal opportunity. So when we when people say white privilege, man, it's not a shot as in as much as it is just trying to help people to understand, man, there's some privileges that you guys get yeah. that we don't get. Yeah. You know? So Absolutely. And again, like you said, go down to the basic of life. Going yeah. to or and having a job, you know, when the, when the Constitution talks about every person has the right to work and, and have all these liberties, the system isn't built that way, buddy, as much as we want to say it is. Yeah. And, man, we, we have an opportunity right now in the world to, to really start things, even if even if can't do it at the level of federal we don't have that position of power ourselves we can certainly do it with this we own we have with the communities we are and i still believe in the domino effect i still believe in people to christ I still believe possible jesus started 12 guys 12 guys yeah. change the world our is built on the way we do built on whether the unbelievable wants to admit it or not, everything we do is based off Jesus, and He had twelve people to start. Yeah, we can yeah. we can start Absolutely. in Tampa, we can start in Grand Rapids, we can start in wherever you are. You know, Peora, Illinois, wherever you are, you can start. We can actually change these things. Yeah, see somebody. I think the issue with 
white privilege is that some white people feel like they use the reality is recognize and realize that they on the receiving end of that privilege, whether they invoke not. Right. That's why it's yeah. called systematic. That's why it's called systematic. It's, 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 it's ingrained. It's whether you pull the weight not, America pull the weight. Yeah. And you and 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 again here, that's not your fault. You know what I mean? Like right. if if uh if you've been a a beneficiary of it, um I'm sure that the majority the majority of white folks are not invoking, say like white privilege. Right. You know what I mean? Um they've just been beneficiaries of it. Yep. And so it's like you can't condemn people for having that having favor right um, but i can ask you to use it as a platform um to help other people you know uh for myself i've got to do that as a person who's made it out of the hood to go back and help people who are still in the hood yep you know, i'm using uh the privilege that i have of getting out the the hard work because uh, I guess it's not a privilege. I don't know, but just using my platform of getting out to help people who are still in. So, yeah, man. And, and it's again, man, like it's acknowledging that it exists. It's acknowledging that it's there. Um, and, and for, of, uh, and I guess this is something I was explaining to a young lady just this other day, cause she was asking about the whole white privilege thing and how she can kind of understand and filter that being a white female. I said, in the same way that you realize that there's male privilege yep. and that males get paid more money yep. than, you, than you do because you're a female, right. or you feel like uh, females are disenfranchised in certain capacities, the same way that you would feel that it's the same thing uh, when it comes to the black community and understanding that there are certain things that happen that disenfranchise an entire group of people and learning how to use uh, your white privilege uh, to be a platform to invoke change. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's, uh, it's kind of mind blowing that people don't realize any of this talking about, um, right. you know, for, for people who, Walk around. It's 2020. Please, <laughs> listen, man. I'm married to a white woman. I can tell you, I've seen it. You should see the way some people look at her like she's a traitor, right? To her own people because she's married to me. You know, you should see the way that we look at. Dude, I'm in. The, I'm in the south. People put Confederate Army flags erected in the back of their pickup trucks. It's nothing yep. to see someone driving around with a giant Confederate Army flag waving in the wind behind their pickup truck. Yep. And you should see the way some of them pull up to our vehicle. And when they realize who we are and see that it's a black and a white couple, a black and white couple in that vehicle, the venom that just oozes out of the way that they stare at you. Believe right. me, bro, it exists. Absolutely. And, you know, I've seen that from being on the car, that car. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like they'll rev up and they'll try to, like, impress upon you some sort of dominance. Like, what? It just, yeah, it's it's systematic. It's broken. It's ingrained in society. And we as responsibility, um, 
I would say now more than ever because the necessity for Jesus being the Lord and Savior life has been there since the beginning of time. Yeah. Right now, I think because those wounds are open uh, and wounds are open on one side, eyes are open and ears are open on the other side, we can really be to get Jesus out of the masses right now in such a different way. Reconciliation of, of everyone their father can truly give black lives worth and value. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of the things that I love the Black Matter uh, movement. I love what you posted today because the whole house fire thing. I I had, to, I had to take that. I had to steal that. <laughs> that was that was awesome, um, and that was definitely a woman in care. Um, but like we had to. That's so true. And all houses do matter, but this isn't about your house. This right. is about your house that's nice that has a picket fence that has the the blade in the driveway. There's a on fire. Yours isn't burning down. Yours yeah. isn't arson committed against it simply for being constructed and existing. Mine, there are, there are lives that are trials for existing. And it's not yeah. even a trial. It's justice. It's, it's just a death sentence. And that's the problem. And if we can get deep this conversation, see that he's a great people, all men, that your lives have value because he spoke you into existence and no country and how defunct it is to be able to take that away. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it goes back to the the rainbow analogy, man. If yep. We've got to see each other as dis distinctly different but a part of one beautiful piece of God's work. Yep. And if we don't recognize that, yeah, we're different, but we're different because we're made in his image and because God is so incredibly diverse at his core and incredibly creative at his core, that if you miss black people in the world or miss black people in the church or miss white people in the world in the church, you're literally missing a piece of God because it's, he said we were made in his image. And mm -hmm. so if you miss me, have if you miss having me there, you're missing a piece of God. If I miss having you in my life, then I'm missing a piece of who God is. And all together, man, we make up something as beautiful as a rainbow that's as diverse as a rainbow that exemplifies the glory of God and the, is the expressed um, manifestation of his creativity. That's so good, man. Hey, yeah. Well, Bruce, I could do this literally all day. <laughs> could use this all day. People from all different backgrounds do this all day. Um, but one thing I want to do is I want to hand it to you. I want to give you time to pray, lead us, and uh, yeah, actually, yeah, and the whatever you want to Got you. Um, Father, we just thank you, Lord, um, for this gathering of believers um, from whoever's tuning in. Uh, Lord, we ask that 
the Holy Spirit would impress it upon us or guide us, lead us. Uh, Jesus himself said that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide you into all truth. And that word truth not only means truth, but it means wisdom. And so I thank you that you're guiding us into all truth of the matter of race in our country. I thank you that you're leading, guiding us into the wisdom of how we should operate as pastors, as Christians, as churches, as citizens of this country. You're giving us the wisdom on how to operate. Father, we come up against the spirit of racism, which is really spirit of pride lord you said that whatever we bind on heaven will heaven will be bound in earth whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven and so lord father we just bind in the name of jesus this spirit of pride which is at the root of this racism lord god and lord we deal with it and we thank you lord we loose a spirit of unity peace hope love grace and mercy and we pray that the church would do exactly what the apostle paul said lord that 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 as the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of god father that the church themselves would rise up in this season in this moment to be the change that our churches need but to be the change that the country needs and that we would spearhead this thing and not wait for the world to take control and do things but lord that the church would step up and be an advocate for change when it comes to race in our community, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, man, I appreciate you, homie. Thanks for having me on, man. Dude, thank you. I uh, I don't know if you know, but comments like blowing up. A lot of people. Up. I think this conversation was needed, and uh, dude, I'd like to I'd like to do this again, and more frequently, obviously, but not yeah. always have to on uh, this specific topic, but I just think the more that up, um, the better both, both of us, both of our churches are, the better the bystanders we're watching in this morning are. And yeah, dude, honestly, everything that you have to say today, um, not only, not only makes me feel um, like I'm going to as a as a white African leader in the Midwest area, um, but it challenges it challenges me to go further, harder, to uh, get more confidence, and it's just what's needed. Come yeah. to the table. Let's just come to the table. God's prepared a table for us. Um, in it is peace, in it is unity. Yeah, unity is further than division. So I would love you to. So awesome. Come back to this table. Let's make a people to listen. Um, yeah. And let's just continue having the much needed. That's what's up, man. Let's get it, homie. I, I, I'd love to be a part of all of it, man. Once again, man, so proud of you guys and what I see you guys doing. I'm rooting for you guys. I'm praying for you guys. Um, if there's anything that you or Adrian need or takeover needs, please hit me up as always, man. Um, man, we got you guys back and we believe in you. Dude, that means so much, and and likewise, um, you know, we we'll say we can't do everything, but we can do something. And what we don't we don't have much, you have you have, and yeah. anything that you guys need, we're with you, we're praying for you. We're so grateful, Champion City Church, and take over better because not only because of what you've sown into us, both financially, spiritually, um, but I'm because of it, and. Every- better today because of the conversation and uh, the city of Tampa, Florida, in the midst of not being able to meet right now, dude, in your guys' location, Tampa is still better. Champion City Church is there. Got to believe it. Got to know that. 
and what you are is literally shaping human history right now. So art, keep going, and uh, any way that way that we can anything for it, um, it's available. Don't I appreciate even, it. We're here. We're for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy right, my brother. time with you, man. Dude, have a great weekend over too. Sunday. Praying that Sunday is just a huge win for you guys and that uh, God continues to expand your what you have over that he enlarges your tent and continues to bring more people because I believe in you, dude. I freaking believe in you. I can't wait to visit and yeah. I just want to watch over things done. Just open the heaven, God, because I want to see what Champion City Church does. Um, it all got. Let's get it. That's what's up, man. We'll connect soon, man. All right, man. All right, brother. Talk so to you, man. Peace. Appreciate it.